Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Right now, would you lift your hands right now? We love you, Jesus. Let's lift our voices. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, in the name of Jesus. The healer is here right now. We magnify you, Jesus. We glorify you, Jesus. Make a joyful noise to the Lord this morning. He's the reason we are here. We magnify you, God. We glorify you in this building. Amen, amen. Praise the name of the Lord. You may be seated for just a moment. We are so glad that you are are here. And those that would be watching by way of the web, We welcome you. We know there's a lot of sickness right now, but we pray that God would strengthen you, be with you, and help you while you are at home. And uh, aren't we glad to be at the house of God today? Praise the name of the Lord. We welcome some of the saints from McConnellsville. We welcome you here this morning. So glad that you are here. Praise God. They are celebrating with us what was formerly our faith promise service became... Our mission service. Now we have we have brought it into our All Nations Sunday, and that's why we look the way we look today. I'm from Africa, Amen. So uh, we are so thankful that you are here, and we we make a pledge and have since probably 2008 was our first Faith Promise service where we would make a pledge that God would speak to us and God would tell us what we were supposed to give to give to missions. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. How many know everything we own is from the Lord? Amen. It, it, he, he gives us to us. He gives it to us and we give it back to Him. And so um, we would make pledges. I'll never forget the first year we made pledges. And, and it, 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 it changed the atmosphere culture of our church. We became a missions church and not, not just a church as a whole. It wasn't long that we were sending missionaries send the missionaries out of our church. We're thankful that in 2009 we were able to send Brother, Brother Noe and Sister Don of Guatemala where 15 churches were built there. Amen. With a hub church in Sashe, Guatemala in the state of Peyton. A place where one-third of the country, the state of Peyton landmass, one-third of the country had no apostolic witness. But now... All over that country, all over that northern part in the jungle, and even different languages with the Mayan people, the KG people, the gospel was preached to people that had never even heard of Jesus Christ. And I think that's what this is about today, is getting the gospel to the world. Hallelujah. Because of your missions giving, we have been able to preach the gospel in Belize, sending sending finances and missionaries to Belize, Africa, Finland, Brazil, France. Right now, these are the ones we're sponsoring. 
because of this service. We support missionaries in Ireland, East Asia, Bangladesh, Japan, and Vietnam. Praise God. But they've baptized thousands there in the name of Jesus, and we're thankful. It is now spread to Cambodia where they're seeing a great revival in Cambodia. Oh, I'm telling you, it's end time harvest, and we're glad to be a part of it. Somebody shout hallelujah. They were telling me that they were in the middle part of Vietnam and they found people that believed just like us that they didn't think anybody else believed like it in the world. And they're seeing a great revival there in, in the middle of Vietnam. Before we move on, I think we want to lift our hands and thank God that we were able to sponsor missionaries full time out of the church. Thank you for the miracle of that, oh God. We honor you. We honor you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You want to get to the, to the nearness of God's heart? Start talking about missions. He said that the gospel was to be preached. First in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. My wife has said for years that some give by going. Most of you probably are not going to stand on the soil of Africa. Probably not going to go to South America. You're going to witness and work in the field God's called you right here in the state of Ohio. But can I say, we can go by giving. You can go by giving to missions. And there's a pledge card that you have there that we will lay on the altar and give it to the Lord. I talked about this also last week and Wednesday night. A pledge that God's going to speak to you before you leave this service. That you can help get the gospel where it needs to go. How many want to get the gospel around the world? Come on, how many we really do? You want to get the gospel around the world. It's the heartbeat of God. It's not fair that we hear it a thousand times when some people have never heard it once. Because of your giving, we were able to put the gospel in Sweden, Malawi, Colombia, the United Kingdom, Zimbabwe, Latvia, Western Samoa, and the American Samoa, France, South Africa, Europe, Fiji, and the Solomon Islands, El Paso Metro. These are... These are these are countries that we support right now. Papua New Guinea, Taiwan, China, Ireland, Russia, Cuba, Mexico. It is said right now one of the greatest revivals is happening in China. It's called underground church. What does that, that mean? That means it's, it's in houses. It's not, it's not out in the open. They're not allowed to have churches there. It's estimated right now over 110 million Christians are in China. When social media opened... When social media opened in China, the number one thing followed in China was Christianity. Can I tell you, it's the most powerful message in the world. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you jump to your feet and clap your hands and thank Him for the gospel. Thank Him for His word. Amen. Remain standing. We are, we are, we are grateful for what God has done through this church and will continue to do through this church. God has allowed us to minister here, amen, collaboratively to reach our region and it's going to be a great harvest in the very near future. I'm going to be talking about it next Sunday called Destined to Go, Destined to Grow, excuse me. And I believe we're about to hit a place where we're going to double our attendance even locally in the church. We have sent to 
to seven different counties. We've got these daughter works. We're thankful because of missions giving and sending these pastors. Aren't you thankful that in these seven different daughter works that we have, we own all the properties there. God has blessed this church in this region. Amen. And because we invest in other fields, God's allowed us to reap in this field. I asked you on Wednesday night because we had a message on Wednesday night talking about backsliders coming home with Myron Weidman, his message from General Conference. When I left here, I had a message from somebody that was watching online that was a PK, a preacher's kid that had went away from the Lord and said, I just want you to know, Pastor, that I was watching online, felt to get on your, your live stream and watch. And I want you to know, I've been away from God, but I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I asked everybody that would on Wednesday that you get a list of names and say, God, we believe in the principle that if we invest in other fields, we reap in our own. I ask you to bring those names when you lay your pledge card on the altar today at the end of the message, at the end of the message, that you bring that list and say, God, I'm believing for a harvest in my own field. We do not give to receive, but it's biblical principle we receive because we give. How many know God has always given back and blessed us for our giving? Would you clap your hands and thank God? Amen. To all of our guests in the building, we welcome you. You are, you are looking at a church that, that is doing its best to impact worldwide. And we're making a difference. Can you shout amen? Praise God. We are honored today to have my good friend, Pastor Luke St. Clair. He is a pastor in Anderson, Indiana. been pastoring there for 12 years. And we were just talking. I can't believe he had not been here to preach for us. What's wrong? My goodness. This is just wrong. That's all there is to it. His daughter, Jocelyn, is is with him and 14 years old, amazing singer. He has, he has three girls, wonderful wife. He and I spent, ministered in Norway together. What a great time until I wrecked while I was skiing. He was trying to help, help me and teach me. He should have done a little bit better. Amen. And um, I was just a little slow. You don't have to mention that, though. He is a dynamic preacher. He preaches all over the world. And I believe the Lord is sending him here today. I really do. And uh, when he's preaching, I want you to open your heart to receive. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. It's right on time. How many want to hear what the Spirit is saying? How can we hear without a preacher? How can he preach except to be sent? Would you give Pastor St. Clair a hand as he comes to preach the gospel? Amen. All the way from Indiana. Come on, give him a big Zanesville welcome. Let's lift up Jesus together right now, could we? He deserves all the praise and the glory. He deserves all the honor this morning. There is nobody like him. The psalmist tells us in the 47th chapter something that I love. He said to clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. It's always easy when somebody says, let's praise the Lord for us to just clap. But we're not clapping for a politician today. We're not clapping because a, a ball team that loses half the time is on the field. We're giving glory to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
So when I start clapping my hands, I've just got to lift my voice and say, thank you, Lord. I've just got to lift my voice and say, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated this morning to um, our media team in the back. Uh, just to give you a heads up, we're going to go to Ezekiel 37. But I want to say today what a privilege it is to be at the Anchor Church. And uh, it has been many, many years since I've been here. Matter of fact, uh, I was probably uh, pre-10 years old, somewhere seven, eight, nine years old the last time I was in this church. And my dad was preaching for Brother Ferris. And... Uh, this church has been a lighthouse in this community for many years, and I thank the Lord for that. I want to uh, I want to give public honor today to your pastor, who is a prince of a man, and uh, he's a man of God. And uh, I don't I don't know if uh, if you've been raised in this church around this church, if you've never had a pastor besides Brother Bounds, I don't know if you realize how blessed you are to have a praying pastor. I travel all around this country, and uh, I don't want to say I don't want this to come across in a negative context, but I want to tell you, not every pastor is a praying man. It's the truth. Some are great administrators and preachers, but not every pastor is a praying man. Uh, just because you pray when you're going to preach doesn't mean you're a praying man. But men that pray every day, like it's like breathing. It's a blessing to have them in our churches and in our lives. And uh, it's really kind of unfair. I was standing over there a few minutes ago, and I was watching the pastor, and I thought, this is, this is just unfair, you know, to have to preach in front of Aaron Bounds. This is kind of like getting the phone call and somebody said, hey, could, could you come do a real estate development class for Donald Trump? It's kind of it's the same. It's like, could you, would you come... Would you come preach in front of Aaron Bound? You're like, sure, absolutely. I'd be happy to humiliate myself. And uh, thank God for my friend. I love you, Brother Bounds. Thankful for you. I'm so grateful to have our youngest daughter, Jocelyn, with us. And uh, she is so precious. Pastor asked her to sing today. She rebelled. And um, she didn't do it. She didn't obey the Holy Ghost. She gets that from her mom. Who's not here, and if she was here, I wouldn't have said that. And I hope she doesn't watch this. Uh, I have a beautiful wife, a precious woman of God. Loves the Lord, loves our kids, and uh, she loves this precious truth. Um, I leaned over to Brother Bounds this morning, and I said, it's incredible the weight that our wives carry in the kingdom. And I give you honor today, Sister Bounds, precious, precious woman. All Nations Sunday, what a day. It's amazing. I walked in today and I got greetings from Japan and Mexico and they they looked at me and said, what are you dressed as? And I said, I'm, I'm here dressed like a poor preacher from Indiana. And uh, it's it's good to be here. Amen. This church is, uh, is so blessed to be where we are today. And uh, when I think about when I think about the fact that the Lord has preserved us for right now, I know that doesn't mean a lot to a whole lot of people, but you know, 
we could have lived in the times of Peter and James and John, the Apostle Paul. We could have. And I've known a lot of people who said that was, that was their desire. I wish I could have been there to hear Paul preach. I wish I could have been there to hear Peter preach. But you know, there's something interesting about that because that was the generation that told the Lord goodbye. But I believe the Lord's preserved us to be the generation that says welcome back. <laughs> Hallelujah. I believe, I believe we're so close to the coming of the Lord. And I believe when the Lord comes back, he's coming back for a church that's busy. He's coming back for a church that's about their father's business. Coming back for a church who takes this kingdom thing serious. I don't want the Lord to come back and find me with my hands folded. I don't want the Lord to come back and find me resting. I want the Lord to come back and find me working while it's yet day. And I give great honor to you precious people today. Thank the Lord for your heart for missions and you are making a difference in the kingdom of God. I'm going to go to the book of Ezekiel today, chapter 37. Uh, I'm going to preach to you from a very famous text. It's, uh, if you have been around the church for any time at all, you've heard this story. Matter of fact, even if you were raised in a church that's not apostolic and went to Sunday school as a kid, you probably heard this story. We call this story the Valley of Dry Bones. But I'm going to preach something to you today that the Lord dealt with me about some time ago. And uh, I believe the Lord's going to help us. If he don't, I'm going to be very disappointed because I tossed and turned all night last night. Uh, believing that God was going to meet us here today. I can't explain this to you right now. But it's going to become more clear before we leave here. That God is getting ready to do something extremely special in this place today. In the wee hours of the morning, I was tossing and turning, throwing covers, and moving pillows, and saying, God, I just want to sleep a little bit. I just want some rest. But I couldn't find a lot of rest last night because of what God's getting ready to do in here today. Mm, I feel the Holy Ghost when I say it. There's something special, and if you know me at all, I don't just say things so that people get happy and excited. But I felt this morning, early this morning, that God is about to release something in this house today that's going to cause this church to walk in areas that we've never seen or experienced before, not because I'm here, but because of the timing that we're in right now. And there's going to be something that happens when we respond in our flesh today in the spirit. The Lord is going to respond to us. And I felt, uh, hopefully this will become more clear, but I felt transition. This morning I kept hearing transition, that God was about to transition this church. And when I asked the Lord for clarity, what I felt so clear is that God was getting ready to transition this church into the place where we're now, we are no longer receiving the promise of the word. We're transitioning into pushing for the promise. That everything I saw this church expecting, pregnant with prophetic promise, and the Lord said it's time for transition. He said this church has been pregnant with promise for quite some time. And he said in every word that comes builds the faith of what is to come. Every word that has, has come has been about what God is getting ready to do. He said but today in the spirit there's going to be a transition in the anchor church. Where we are moving from receiving. And we're getting ready to move into a posture of push. Because we're going to give birth to the things that God has put in the womb of this church. 
A mother can only carry a baby for so long before the baby dies and then the mom's going to die. But I feel in the Holy Ghost and I feel it on me right now. There's a strong angel on this platform with me right now. And I feel to tell you that we're not moving towards a season of transition, but transition has come. We are standing right now in this house, in this very moment, in the moment of transition where God is going to begin to birth through you today the things that you have been expecting and the things that you have been pregnant with. And you are standing today in the greatest hour that this local assembly has ever known. And you're getting ready to see it. I'm not, I'm not talking about five, six months from right now. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, it starts today. It starts right now. <laughs> and I want it to be clear what I'm saying to you right now. That the backsliders you've been praying for. The people that you've been praying for, that you've been teaching, what I mean, I'm talking about this is real. What I'm saying right now is the people that we've been praying for, God is sending angels to them right now. Angels are walking into their homes right now. They'll be by their bedside when they lay their head down to sleep tonight. I'm not talking about in six weeks. There's going to be testimonies of what God has done, that people are going to come and say, I had a visitation in my home. I had a dream in the night. I had a vision in the night. And God has positioned this church to be ready. Are you ready to receive them when they come? Praise God. Ezekiel chapter 37, thank you for the liberty that I feel here today. I love this church. I love your pastor. I love this city. And I believe that God is doing amazing things here. Ezekiel 37, the story of the Valley of Dry Bones. I'm not going to read the whole Thing. We're going to talk about it in just a minute, but I want, I want to just touch on a couple of things Then I will extrapolate from this of what the Lord uh, has spoken to my heart for this church today. In verse 5 of chapter 37, the Lord gives this powerful word. He said, thus saith the Lord God unto these bones. Now, this is the prophetic utterance. He said, behold... I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. That's the word. The word is, I'm going to cause breath to come. Everybody say, the wind's going to blow. He said, the wind is going to come, and breath is coming into you, and I'm going to cause these bones to live. But this is where we get stuck in Pentecost. We get stuck between the prophetic and the fulfillment, between the promise and the fulfillment. And so when the word the word came that I'm going to cause this valley of dry bones that you're looking at to live. I'm causing the wind to blow. I'm causing breath to come, and the bones shall live. This is the place of rejoicing where we come in on a Sunday like this, and a special speaker's here, and we dance and we shout, thank God the bones are going to live. But as we move down to verse 9, then he said to me, Prophesy to the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. The beginning of verse 10, he said, so I prophesied. And uh, I'm going to preach to you what I feel in the Holy Ghost today. I've come to this house, I believe, on assignment from the Holy Ghost to preach to this church. We're not waiting on the wind. 
We're not waiting on the wind. I want you to take your Bibles today and put them down behind you on the seat. And I want you to lift both hands. We're going to receive of the Holy Ghost right now. God, I'm asking you that you would speak to our hearts and our minds in this place. Lord, this church is postured and they are ready. They are ready to receive the word of the Lord. And I believe that you have spoken to my heart. I believe, God, that you have spoken to my spirit. And I believe that this day is a divine intersection in time. I don't believe, God, that we're just here to have another All Nations Sunday. I don't believe that we're just here today, God, to see all of the amazing decorations and the the fellowship that we're going to have afterwards. But I believe that between now and then, there's going to be some things fulfilled in the Holy Ghost that you have spoken to this church that are going to manifest in this physical realm. And today we posture ourselves to receive and to activate it. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. And with the church of the living God say, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. If you'll give me just a few moments today to lay some groundwork. If you are a guest here, I want to say how thankful I am that you're here. And if you have never been here to hear Pastor Bounds preach, I want you to come back next week and hear the shepherd of this house. Uh, Today, you're hearing cornbread and beans. Next Sunday, it's filet mignon. Amen. This story of the Valley of Dry Bones, the prophet Ezekiel is, is taken in a vision. The Lord takes him in a vision. He said that he was carried out in the spirit of the Lord. This is something that we don't talk about, really. Uh, we like to preach the principle of the, of the chapter. But, you know, you're looking at a man today who still believes that God carries men out into open visions. I still believe that. I don't believe that because we're in the New Testament and uh, we're close to the coming of the Lord that there's going to be less supernatural encounters with the Holy Ghost and with the Spirit of God because we're closer to the coming of the Lord. As a matter of fact, I believe there should be more. Jesus Christ told his disciples that followed him, he said, these works that I do shall you do, and greater works than these shall you do. Greater things. It's hard for us to wrap our mind around greater things than what Jesus did. Yet, it is the will of God. That in the end time church, we see more and experience more than the first century church had ever dreamed of. I don't say this today in any way to uh, deflate our balloon of faith. But I've heard a lot of people say, we need another Pentecost. We don't need another Pentecost. There's already been a Pentecost. We don't need another Pentecost. We just need to grab hold of what happened at Pentecost and believe that if God said we can have it, then we can have it. Hallelujah. And in the Valley of Dry Bones, the Bible said that the the prophet was carried away. He said, the Lord carried me away. And he showed me this, this open vision. He said, he set me down in the midst of a valley. The valley was full of bones. And I understand the context of this is that The Lord was showing him Israel as a people, that they were scattered. There was a diaspora, so to speak, and that God was bringing some things back together. But there was a prophetic utterance that came to him when the Lord showed him the valley and he showed him the bones that were spread out. And he said that as I passed round about them, he said there was a lot of them and it was an open valley and they were very dry. 
And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I love the response. He said, Lord, you know. This is, this is the Luke St. Clair response. This is my response. This is how I am. When the Lord speaks to me and he says, can you have the kind of revival that you've been promised? I said, Lord, you know. Can you really see the breakthrough that has been promised to you at the First Pentecostal Church in Anderson? Are you really ready to receive what the man of God has spoken to you? And I said, Lord, whenever you're ready. Lord, whenever the time comes, but I've come to preach with boldness this morning that I feel like in the Holy Ghost our movement is stuck in a place where our answer has always been whenever you're ready. The answer has always been, Lord, you know that we're hungry. But I believe that God was not asking Ezekiel in any way Are you convinced that I know? I believe the Lord was asking him, are you convinced in yourself? Do you believe that it can happen? And I've come to preach to you today. I'm I'm in a room full of people who have the faith to believe that God can. But God wasn't asking Ezekiel, do you believe I can? He was asking Ezekiel, do you believe that you can? Do you believe that you can see it? Stay with me. I'm going to preach in a minute. It's a positional change. It's a, it's a mental change. It's a, it's a transition that has to happen in our minds where we're not just standing back saying, well, whenever God's ready, this church is going to have revival. And whenever God's ready, we're going to receive the harvest. And whenever God's ready, it's going to happen. Jesus said, I want you to look on the fields for they are white already under harvest. He said the harvest is not the problem. The problem is that the harvest is full, but the laborers are few. I've come to tell you in the Holy Ghost today that the question was not, do you think that when I'm ready, I can make them live? The Lord was asking Ezekiel, are you ready for the transitional moment where every word that I speak to you is coming to pass? And the Lord has sent me here this morning to ask this church this question, I believe. Do you believe that God is going to do what he said he was going to do? And do you believe that God is going to use this church to make it happen. And so, so I've I, I got to spend just a few minutes here. And so, this is kind of how this happens. We receive the prophetic word that the wind is coming. We like it. I love to dance and shout. Man, I love having good church. There's nothing like good church. I love, oh God, I love to have good church. Matter of fact, one night uh, in Norway, we had church, was it five and a half hours? I think it was five and a half hours in Norway because Jillian preached too long. We had church for five and a half hours. I love being in the house of God. I love the things that happen. But I want to tell you that we as a movement, Lord help me this morning, we are intoxicated with inspiration. We love to be inspired. I love the gifts of the Spirit, moving, working. I thank God that we're a movement that still believes in the gifts of the Spirit. But there is something that's so powerful about the prophetic is that the prophetic is not for the excitement and inspiration of the church. The prophetic has never been for inspiration. 
The prophetic is a word that comes for activation. When the prophets of old were prophesying, whether it was about the sin of the people, about the corruption in the hearts of the people, if they were prophesying about the good things that God was going to do, it wasn't so that the people could dance and shout and say, praise God, we received a word from the Lord. It was a word of prophecy that came that said, I'm looking for alignment in the earth that will align with the word that has come from heaven. I'm looking for somebody in the earth who will agree with the word that has come from heaven and when alignment comes oh God and so what, what we see is the word comes behold I'm going to bless these bones the, the wind is coming life is coming and this is where we usually stop and celebrate and we go home on a Sunday afternoon and say wasn't that a powerful word didn't Pastor Bounds hit it out of the park today my God didn't we forevermore hear a word. We heard it today. The Lord spoke to us and we celebrate. But somewhere between Sunday afternoon and Monday morning when we go back to work and we get caught up in life and work and school and and stress, it's like the next thing we're holding out for is midweek service. So we can come and be inspired again by the Holy Ghost. And I have felt such a shift in recent, recent months That God is moving us in the end time church from the place where we are so hungry to be entertained and inspired. I know we don't even like talking about this, but there is an element of preaching anymore that if there's not some sense of entertainment in the preaching, we're not even satisfied. If the, if the preacher doesn't know how to preach with just the right cadence and he doesn't know how to say things just the right way, we can't wait for the next week when our favorite preacher is going to be preaching. Can I just make myself at home here? Our people are so funny in Anderson because we'll have guests come in, and, 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 and it's just funny, man, because the guys that I bring in, I know their style. Before they ever come, I know how they're going to preach, and I know how our people are going to respond. And when they come in, and it's somebody that, like, they don't know, they spend, they spend the whole sermon sizing him up. You'll see them lean, lean over to each other. I know we don't like talking about it. I know it makes us uncomfortable. But we measure up preachers just like we do southern gospel singers. Come on now. If the quartet does, if they just get up and sing, it's, I mean, whatever. But, if, if, man, if they've got some, they got some fun, they can dance around, cut up a little bit. It makes the concert more enjoyable. You know, if the preacher knows how to move it just right and inspire us just right, then we're going to get this activated, and it's going to be wonderful, and it's going to be amazing. And I don't think there's anything wrong with polishing your skill. I've been doing this all my life. We were talking about it last night. I can't believe how good God has been to me in my lifetime and all the sermons, the places that I've been blessed to go. But I want to tell you, folks, please hear my heart today. I'm not here in any way to... to to lay a hatchet on the hearts of people in this house. I'm not here to hurt anybody, but I'm telling you that I am beyond the days of preaching to just inspire people. I'm beyond the days of preaching just for entertainment's sake. I'm beyond the days. I'm not hungry anymore to hear people come up to me and say, Brother St. Clair, you're one of my favorite preachers. I'm not hungry anymore to just go places and get pats on the back. You know what I'm hungry for? I'm hungry for everything God said we could have. 
I'm hungry for the winds of revival to blow. I'm hungry for the sick to be healed. I'm hungry for the dead to be raised. I'm hungry for the blind to see. I'm hungry for the deaf to hear. I'm hungry for signs to confirm the word. We love, we love to be inspired, and we should. This is a great church. I, I don't want to make your head big today, but you know, people all around this movement know about the Anchor Church. You're blessed. Your pastor preaches all over the world, and he brags on you everywhere he goes. He lets people know how blessed he is to be your shepherd. The problem in our churches anymore is not, it's not a lack of good preaching. And we hear good preachers. Our church is exposed to the greatest preachers in Pentecost. We bring them in, they preach the word. But I was in prayer some time ago. And I'm just exposing my heart to you today. This is not a normal cadence for me, but I feel, I just feel a directional shift in the Holy Ghost. I was in prayer some time ago and I was asking God, Lord, I, I'm just hungry. G give me the right guy that's going to come in and push this thing over the top. You know, that's how I was raised. I was a revivalist. My dad would just break out. We'd break out in revival on Wednesday night and it'd go 10 weeks, 11 weeks. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about Sunday, Wednesday. Talking about dad would preach on Wednesday night, and we'd go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. We'd take Monday and Tuesday night off. My dad, we'd go get a hotel in Indianapolis, and my dad would just collapse, lay in a hot tub, just collapse for Monday and Tuesday. We'd rest two nights a week, then we'd go back. My dad would do that 10 and 11 weeks at a time in our home church. He was a revivalist. And I was praying, God, just, just send us the right guy. Send me somebody that's going to come in here and preach this thing and push it over to the top. And I felt the Lord chasing my soul. He said, Luke, you're, you're looking for me to send one more person to inspire you. But he said, what I want to know is when are you going to start believing what I told you? When are you going to start believing that everything I told you I was going to do, I can do? Oh, Lord. It feels a little different in here right now, don't it? I know you're waiting on next Sunday. The bishop's going to be back in the pulpit. Stay with me. I'm going to take you somewhere. And the Lord took me to Ezekiel 37. And he said, what you're really looking for, he said, you're looking for the word that makes everybody excited about what is to come. He said, but the problem is, Luke, he said, you spend all your time in prayer asking me to let the wind blow. Can I preach to you? He said, your prayer time with me is consumed with saying, God, send revival, send souls, send the wind, let the wind blow. And I saw, it was like the Lord just carried me away, and I started walking through my own prayer time. And I could, I could hear myself praying, God, give us revival. God, give us harvest. Lord, let the wind blow in this church. And the Holy Ghost smote me right there. And he said, you are not waiting on the wind. What? He said the promise in Ezekiel 37 is that the wind was going to come. He said, but I want, I want you to recognize some things. Lord God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. He said, I want you to recognize some things about this chapter. He said, I spoke the word that the wind was going to blow. 
He said, then I asked him the question, can they live? And of course, we know what the answer was. He said, Lord, you know. But verse 6, he said, I'm going to lay sinew upon you. I'm going to bring flesh upon you. I'm going to cover you with skin. I'm going to put breath in you, and you shall live. Oh, what a powerful word. Look at the restoration that God is going to bring. Look at the strength. Look at the skin. Look at the sinew. Look at the muscle. It's so powerful. Look at what's happening. He said, but now. I've spoken the word to you, Ezekiel. And now I need you to step forth and speak the words in your mouth. That the, we're, we're, we're not waiting on the wind to come. He said because before the wind blows, there's some things that are scattered right now. There's some things that are disconnected right now. And the Lord said, Luke, you've been spending your ministry asking me to let my wind blow across that is scattered and not ready. He said, you've been asking me to let the wind blow on this valley. Do you know what would have happened if God would have let his breath blow across that valley while one leg bone was laying over there and the hip bone was laying over here? But God is a God of order. God is a God of process. And the Lord said, I want you to take note of some things. He said, that his bone came to his bone. In other words, it was order. It was everybody getting in alignment. It wasn't just a general message that alignment has to come to the body. He said, I need alignment to come to the bodies. I need there to be an individual coming together if there's going to be a collective revival. I'm telling you that the change that's coming in our churches is when we stop waiting on the transition to come from the pulpit and we stop waiting on the transition to come from the microphone and there is a personal alignment that comes where we say God I will do whatever I have to do to have revival I'm going to do whatever I have to do and whatever it costs me I'm almost through with my introduction. Stay with me. The Bible said that they stood up on their feet an exceeding great army, but the exceeding great army did not stand up until every single man in the valley came into alignment with the Word of God. So we've got scattered bones. He said, I can't breathe on that. I can't, I can't breathe on that. I can't let the wind come and blow on that because I'm not going to bring life to chaos. Are you hearing what I'm preaching this morning? Send the wind. Send the wind, God. Send the wind. Send the wind. The Lord said, son, you're not waiting. You're not waiting on the wind because the wind is not going to blow until there is alignment in the earth. If I had the time today, I'd break it down for you. I know we, we like to read uh, and, and, and quote Jesus' teaching, what we call the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And we say the Lord was establishing this concept of in earth as it was in heaven. The in earth as it is in heaven thing started at creation. The image of God created he man. It was like God began this idea in creation that there was alignment in the earth with what there was in heaven. 
And in every principle and story that you look throughout the Bible, when, when whatever God had ruled and judged on, and I wish I had time to teach that this morning, but whatever God had judged on in heaven, when the earth came in alignment with the heavenly judgment, then they saw the fruit of what God had judged on. And I'm telling you today that as a movement, God is working on us and moving us to get beyond a place of just being inspired. And he's bringing us to a place that truly kingdom alignment happens I'm not here to chasten you this morning but I want you to think about how much time we spend as pastors pulling on alignment you got to get back in alignment you got to come back in together you got to fall in love with Jesus you got to quit sinning like that you can't you can't be loving perversion and, 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 and we've got this conundrum in the church and please don't think I'm trying to hurt you this morning but we've got this conundrum in church now where we try to cast out on Sunday what we have embraced all weekend. We don't have the authority to cast out devils that we have embraced their perversion all weekend long. We don't have the authority to speak to things and command them to go. When, when we get out of the watchful eye of our shepherd, we entertain those things and allow those things in our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, it's one thing to come together and dance and shout about the wind that's going to blow. It's another thing on Monday when there's nobody else in the sanctuary to walk into the house of the Lord for a season of prayer and bow our knee at an altar of repentance and say, God, whatever you've got to do in me to get my life in alignment with your purpose and your power and your passion. There were some things that had to happen. Oh, God. I want you to understand today before anything started moving, this is the part we don't like. Before any bones started coming together, there had to be a shaking. I just thought I was brave enough to ask the Lord to send a shaking. Being honest with you, when God sends a shaking, things start being revealed and exposed that we'd be a whole lot more grateful if we never had to deal with it. You know what's frustrating? I'm probably being too transparent with you. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine this week about some things we're dealing with. And I said, you know, you know what's so frustrating about this as a pastor? Is how, how much of the stuff you have to deal with that you had nothing to do with. Like, I, I didn't commit adultery, but I'm dealing with adultery. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, I didn't leave my wife, but I'm having to deal with his family because he left his wife. My kids, they still, got it, they still got their mom and dad together. But that family right there, they're hurting because the dad left and ran off and whatever. And it's like, I didn't do that. The Lord said, I need you here to heal it. I've got to keep you here to put this back together. But how much of our ministry and how much time do we spend pulling things back together? God, help me this morning that should have never fallen apart. We love to read the book of Acts, and we love to read about restoration. How many of you know the story of Eutychus sitting in the window? Isn't that a powerful story? Falls out of the window. Paul goes down on the street three, three levels down, lays across him, breathes life back into him, and he gets up. But you know what grieves me about that story? I'll tell you what grieves me about that story is the Bible said that Paul had to stop preaching. 
to go downstairs three flights to lay across the boy and breathe life back into him that if he wouldn't have been sitting in the window, he would have never been broken. Come on, don't leave me now, Lucille. People that are window dwellers, they get stuck sitting in the window. And I'm going to tell you something I've noticed about window dwellers. That, that window represents opportunities. It represents seasons and times. And Eutychus is sitting in the window, and the Bible said when he fell asleep that he fell out the window. You don't ever hear stories about people falling in the church. You always hear the stories about them falling out of the church. And then the pastor has to stop apostolic ministry to go breathe life back into something that could have been so powerful. If he would have been in the altar that night, he would have never been laying in the street. What are you saying, Brother St. Clair? I'm telling you there's some things that God has got to work out of our spirits. In our hearts we want to believe. And in our hearts we want to rejoice. But if we're going to experience the wind of end time revival, it's not going to happen because we ask for the wind. It's going to happen because we get in alignment. Got to get in alignment. Have some things come together. Oh God. Y'all, I'm telling you, maybe, maybe it's a bad time for me to for me to be here because y'all are having to put up with some things that God has been doing in my heart. But the Lord, oh God, the Lord's been doing surgery on me. God's been doing surgery on my heart. And just the other day, I I, I didn't know if I was gonna go here or not this morning, but I feel this so strong in the Holy Ghost. The Lord took me to Numbers 13. Where the, where, the, where the 12 spies go into the land of Canaan. And, and, and if you've ever heard the story, you know it's a powerful story that, that 10 of them came out griping about it and 2 of them came out eating the grapes and it was a powerful moment. And the Lord let them taste the first fruits of what possessing the land of promise really felt like. How many of you are thankful for the glimpses He gives us? I'm thankful for the glimpses that He gives us of what it feels like to possess. I'm thankful every time we baptize somebody in Jesus' name. But I'm not happy. Please forgive me if it sounds like I'm, like, like I'm a, a, a Debbie Downer or something. I'm not satisfied going two, three weeks at a time and then baptizing somebody. Are you hearing me? I want the waters of baptism to be troubled every time we're together. I want the waters of baptism to be troubled on a midweek night that we don't even have church. And people are calling the office saying, Pastor, we've been teaching Bible study. We got four or five people right now that are ready to be baptized in Jesus' name. Talking about glimpses. <laughs> glimpses. The Bible said that they came to the land. They were there for 40 days when they came out. I don't have time to preach the whole thing. But they came out of the land. And the Bible said that while grape juice was still running down their chin, they had, they had grape juice all over their shirts. They were carrying the fruits of it. And powerful story. Their breath still smelled like fresh grape juice. And out of the same breath that had promise on it, they said, we are not able. Are you hear what I'm telling you? We are not able to do it. Caleb and Joshua are over here saying, hey, come on, man. We got this. We can do it. We are well able. There's, there's, there's no way that God's going to fail us. There's always a few folks around that get the idea. There's no way God could fail us now. We're standing on the promises of God. We are full of prophetic promise. 
And we believe that God is going to do it. And while there's two of them saying, come on, we got this. There's ten of them saying, I don't think we can do it. The Bible said, so powerful. Verse 31 of chapter 13, Numbers. The man that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Listen to this. They brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched into the children of Israel, saying, the land of which we have gone to search, it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw there were men of great stature. I'm telling you all, God's been doing surgery on my heart. This is what he showed me the other day. I said, God, how in the world could they be afraid to lose? How in the world could they be? Can I come down here? I said, how in the world could they be afraid to lose? When you promised them the land that flows with milk and honey, you said that there was going to be a strong angel that was going there to wait on them. In other words, the Lord said, I'm going to kick them out one by one, little by little. I'm going to, I'm going to kick your enemies out. Said, you're, not, you're not even going to have to do it. I'm going to kick them out. I'm going to drive them out. They walked into the land with the promises of God and had the taste of the first fruits of the land on their tongue and walked back out and said, there's no way that we can do it. We just can't do it. I said, God, how in the world could they be afraid to lose when you're on their side? And then I read this verse one more time. It said the land is a land that devours its inhabitants. It's a land that eats up its inhabitants. That don't even sound right. I don't know what kind of mental picture you get when you read that. When I used to read that, I was like, what do you, what do you mean it eats up inhabitants? Is it like Korah where the ground just opens up and like sucks these people in and so they're afraid. They're like, we don't want to go in there because we don't want to fall into the ground. What does it mean that it devours its inhabitants? It eats up its inhabitants. What does that even mean? And all of a sudden it made sense to me that these ten men who did not want to go in, they let the cat out of the bag and they let the secret out when they said, we don't want to go because it's a land that eats up its inhabitants. They were fully sold out to the idea, Brother Upgrave, of having vineyards that they didn't plant and living in houses that they did not build. But when they walked in the land, what they saw is that there were people who were building those houses and there were people who were planting those vineyards. And they knew the promise of God was that they were going to taste of those vineyards and they were going to live in those houses. But once we move into the land in order to possess the promise, we're going to eat of the harvest this year that was planted last year. But if we're going to have a harvest next year, we're going to be the one that plants for the harvest. I'm going to take you somewhere right here. And for the first time in my life, I realized that the children of Israel were not afraid to lose. They were afraid to win. They were scared to death because they knew if we're going to walk into the promise and possess, listen to me, this is a people that six days out of the week, they open up their tent flap and there's manna laying on the ground and double on Friday. Are you with me? At night, when daddy woke up restless, Flipped that tent door open, looked up, there was a pillar of fire at night. When they got up in the morning and drank their Tim Hortons coffee, they looked out there in the morning, there was a pillar of cloud by day. But the Bible said in Joshua, and I'm in fast forward mode, we got to get going somewhere right here. But in Joshua it said that the day they crossed over the river when they ate of the old corn of the land. What's the old corn? It's a corn that was planted last year. 
It said the day they ate of the old corn of the land, that manna ceased. They knew the day we walk in to possess, that pillar of fire and that pillar of cloud is leaving. The day that we walk in to possess, there will be no more manna. Oh, God. The day that we walk in to possess this land, everything that God has handed us, we're going to have to start working for all of the harvest that has come to us as residual from somebody else's effort, God now is expecting us that if you're going to have a harvest next year, you're going to have to plant the seeds of what you eat this year. I'm telling you right now, I believe this, and I know it's going to make some people uncomfortable, but God's been doing surgery on me. He said to Luke St. Clair, you are so afraid to win because you are scared to death that if you walk into the promises that I've given you, that you're going to have to relinquish everything else else that you've had up until this point. There is a hunger in me today. I don't want to relive the harvest of yesteryear. I don't want to relive the revivals that we've been through. I don't want to relive what God did yesterday. I want to walk into a brand new harvest. I want to walk into a brand new land. I want God to give us the harvest that he's promised us, but the only way that's going to happen is when we're willing to relinquish everything that God has given us. said, if you're going to come in, you're going to have to relinquish the good. You're going to experience the great. Are you with me? I'm almost done. I'm not here this morning to make you snoring Greek and dreaming Hebrew. But, but I want to make something crystal clear. That it was the proclivity of the people, their propensity. It was every time they got in trouble in the wilderness, they said, let's go back. You with me? Let's go back. They come across the Red Sea. God buries, God buries Pharaoh in his army. The Bible said the horse and the rider wash up on the sea. 72 hours later. 72 hours later, they come to a place called Mara, bitter waters. And when they got a taste of bitterness after their deliverance, they said, let's go back. I want you to follow something with me today, church. They were standing at a place where they honestly believed that it would have been easier for God to have parted the Red Sea a second time than it would have been for God to make that bitter water sweet. It's always easier for us to believe that God can do again what he did before. But I don't want God, please forgive me, this is contrary to what you've heard. I don't want God to do for us what he did before. I don't want the kind of revival that we've had in the past. I don't want the kind of harvest that I've seen in the past. I want God to do something in this hour that I've never seen before, that I've never heard before, that I never heard my dad testify about, that I never heard my granddad testify oh And I thought the way to get that, God, I thought the way to get that was to just stand in prayer and say, Lord, send the wind, send the wind, send the wind, send the wind. And the Lord said, I'm not going to send the wind until you get some things in alignment in your heart and in your life. When you can get in earth aligned with what I'm speaking in heaven, then I'm going to send the wind and blow on it. I wish I had the time to preach this whole concept to you today, but I don't have time to dig in. All I've come to preach to you is that for the last six to eight months, 
months. God has been aligning some things in this church. I haven't been here. I haven't been watching online. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm talking about when I tell you. I don't know the preachers that have preached here. I don't know what pastor's been in, but this is what I saw. That God has been aligning some things in this church that had to come into alignment. And while we've been praying on the for the wind to come, God's been saying, not yet, because i got to get it in alignment. But what I saw this morning when I got up and I started praying over this church and I started praying about this day, oh, God have mercy. I heard the Spirit of the Lord begin to speak to my heart and say that I have aligned the things that I needed to come into alignment in this church. And I'm now transitioning them into another completely different season that they never dreamed would come. And they have come into alignment with the word. And they have come into alignment with the vision. And now they are postured in a place where I've covered them with skin. And I've put strength upon that structure. He said, but now, if they're going to stand up on their feet, it's going to take a supernatural act of the wind to blow. Notice this. When the things of earth got in alignment, Heaven released the wind. I'm going to tell you what I'm feeling right now in the Holy Ghost. This is different. I've never, I've never been here. I've never been in this place that I'm in right now in the Holy Ghost. I've never felt this. It's something special in this church. I don't know how to explain what I'm saying. I've never, I have never felt what I feel right now standing before this church right now. But God has sent me here to affirm and confirm some things that God has already put in this church. I'm not here to preach anything new to you, but I'm here to prophesy to the things that have come into alignment with the voice of God and with the voice of your shepherd. I've come this morning to encourage this church and tell you, up until now, we haven't been waiting on the wind because God was bringing alignment into some things. But this morning, oh, God help me. The Lord spoke to me this morning, and he said, Luke, they're so close. He said, we're so close to the alignment that I've been trying to send. So I, 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 They're so close to the structure. They're so close to the strength on that structure. But this is what I want you to know today. This is what I want you to know. That if God is going to blow on this church this afternoon, it's going to transition us into a place that everything that has brought us to this point that we have depended on, the supernatural provision, whoo! We're going to have to be willing to release it. We're going to have to be willing to release what God's wind has blown into our camp. And now it's time for us to begin sowing. The Lord asked me this. I'm almost done. You can stand and be seated. I'm almost done. The Lord asked me this question the other day. I'm sorry y'all are having to look into my surgery this morning. But the Lord asked me this the other day. He said, Luke, you preach about harvest all over the world. He said, what does harvest look like? I said, what? It looks like growth. It looks like new people coming. He said, no, be honest. Tell me what this harvest looked like. And I guess, Pastor, I had this image of pulling on the church driveway at, 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 at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning, and there'd be a line of 100 people waiting to get baptized. Harvest. Well, I pulled in, and there was a harvest. He said, you're asking me to send the harvest, but you're seeing it wrong. He said, you're not just going to pull up on the, on, on, on the parking lot one day and harvest, just be standing there. He said, the harvest is in the field. You got to go get it. God help me. He said, if you want the harvest, 
You can't stand in the church and just beg me for the wind to blow. He said, after I took them out of the wilderness, my, my wind did not blow harvest to them anymore. The wind of God did not, it, the manna ceased. He didn't blow any more manna in. After they moved into the land, they worked. God, they worked and they sowed and they reaped the harvest. And they may have moved in and had a house for them. He said, but if your babies are going to grow in this thing, you're going to have to build a house for your children. If your kids are going to have a place to live, you're going to have to build a house for your children. Are you hearing me? The harvest that God wants to give us in this hour is not the kind of harvest that's just going to blow in one Sunday and we're going to celebrate it and it's going to be over. But God is moving us into a place of perpetual harvest until the trumpet sounds. We're not just going to start baptizing people one or two a week, but God is moving us into a place where we're going to be reaping field after field after field. <laughs> We're moving to it. <laughs> I was so uncomfortable when God began to deal with me one day. And I'm not going to take time to tell you this full story. I know you're standing. But our church was in a, in a tight place. We had built a building by faith. And we didn't, we didn't have the money to do anything we wanted to do. You know, It was like everything God told us to do was a step of faith. Just scared to death, man. Scared to death. And our parking lot was starting to look really rough. It needed to be sealed. You're supposed to do it like every two years. And we had done it like 10 years before. At that time, I was like, well, we'll get some bids. We got, we got a bid. A guy came in. He said, look, if you'll provide me some workers, I'll do it for you for $10,000. And I was like, I don't mind working, but we don't, we don't have 10 grand. So I got, I got brilliant. I know it sounds so hokey now looking back. But we did this seal the deal offering, you know, gave them a month. It's this peanut, br peanut brittle mentality that we're just going to present this and then in three or four weeks we're going we're to have a seal the deal offering. We're going to raise $10,000 and uh, we're going to pay cash for this parking lot to get done. Are y'all hearing me? <laughs> I'm talking about 10 grand. Might as well have been 150,000. I went in church on Saturday night and I locked myself in the office. I do that sometimes. I told my wife, I said, I'll see you at church on Sunday. I shut myself in that office. The Lord woke me up on Sunday morning, man. I cried. I wept. The Lord woke me up and he said, Today's the day of the offering. I said, I know, God. I don't even know if I got the word to inspire these people. $10,000, you know. He said, everything you'll bring in today goes to missions. I said, God, we can't do that. I don't, have, I don't have it. He said, everything you'll bring in today goes to missions. I said, how do I tell these people that? I walked downstairs. My dad was in the prayer room, and I couldn't hardly see. Man, I was crying. My eyes were swollen. Dad was standing over by the corner where I pray in the prayer room. And I walked up to him and I said, Dad, I got, I got to tell you something. He said, what is it, son? I said, Dad, Holy Ghost spoke to me this morning. He said, everything we bring in today goes to missions. I was hoping he'd look at me and say, uh-uh. Can't, can't do it. Can't afford it. 
And my dad had the audacity to look at me and say, well, son, if God spoke it, you better do it. I'm like, no, dad. Please lose all your faith right now. Tell me I'm a dummy. So I went to the church that morning. I said, look, I'm preaching, man. I'm like, we're going to have it. We're going to see it. God's going to do it. I said, but there's one catch. Everything that we take up today is going to missions. People started walking up, throwing money on the platform. I'm just, money is everywhere. $100 bills, $20 bills. Wads of $100 bills. People just started throwing money. We counted up the money and it was well over $10,000. I said, God, we need this money bad. He said, I didn't tell you you were sending 10000 I told you everything that comes in. I said, okay. Took every single penny that came in. We were paying, we were paying almost $10,000 a month on a mortgage. We took every dime that came in on the altar that day. We sent it. The next Sunday morning, I was in my office, man. I felt, I felt low because that guy was coming to do our parking lot that week. I didn't have the money. I didn't know what to do. I'm in my office and I'm saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. You know how it is. Come on, wind blow. Come on, wind blow. The intercom in my office went off. It was from my dad's line. I said, hello. And I heard the phone go, like he was nervous, like something's going on. I said, what in the world? So I ran out to his office. I said, Dad, you all right? He said, Luke, you ain't going to believe it. He said, just a few minutes ago. He said, Helen walked in. Helen just died this week, just this week. He said, Helen walked in the office. She said, Brother St. Clair, has anybody paid for that parking lot yet? He said, no, man, but we're still believing God. She said, well, I have now. She reached in her pocketbook. She slid a $10,000 check across the desk, and she said, it's taken care of. You know what? We're way beyond being worried about $10,000 for a parking lot now. We're in a different faith. But the thing that moved us from being so strapped that we couldn't see straight to a place of abundance was the willingness to say, okay, God, before I ask you to blow your wind on this church one more time, I'm going to hear your voice and we're going to come into alignment. And whatever you've asked us to do, we're going to do it. While I've been preaching this morning, God has been dealing with hearts in this room. Some of you came to church with a number of what you were going to give today. I'm not an offering guy. I don't like doing it. But when you came to church this morning, you had a number in your mind. Because you knew you needed the rest of it to do something else. The Holy Ghost sent me here to tell you today that the wind's not going to blow until you obey the voice that's been speaking to you while I've been preaching. The Lord has spoken to some of you to double what you were going to give. The Lord's spoken different numbers to some of you. But we're not going to push this thing today. I'm not going to make anybody uncomfortable. And I'm going to tell you the heart of your pastor. If you don't feel led to give, don't give. If you, don't, if you don't feel like offerings work, don't do it. But I'm going to tell you that there is a supernatural miracle that's getting ready to happen in this place. 
I sincerely believe. I sincerely believe right now that there is the potential in this room right now to have the largest mission seed that this church has ever given and sown. It's here today. I, I don't know how I ended up here other than just had to be the Holy Ghost. But I'm telling you in this place right now, there is enough, there is enough seed, there is enough seed for this church to move into a dimension of giving like you have never seen before. And this is how God's going to do it. Woo! Boy, I feel it right now. I feel that old flesh bucking up right now. I want you to open up your hand right now. And I want to tell you that if what God has put in your hand is not big enough to be your harvest, then it must be a seed. If what's in your hand is not big enough to be the harvest that you've prayed for, then maybe what he's put in your hand is the seed to sow for the harvest. Shoo! He's working on some folks right now. I'm telling you, some of you are trying to figure out why you feel like crying right now during an offering. I've never done this like this, but I know what I feel. We're not going to make an invitation right now for everybody to come at one time. This is okay. But as God begins to speak to you right now, I want you to take that faith seed. Woo! We're going to bring it to this platform today. When you step out by faith, there's going to be a supernatural encounter. I believe in the Holy Ghost right now. Because of what's getting ready to take place in this room, you hear me, I feel it in the Holy Ghost. That somebody's going to step forward today and bring your seed. And when you do, God is going to heal your body. There's getting ready to be supernatural healing and miracles released in this room. I feel it, Pastor. God have mercy. I feel doctor's diagnosis being reversed in here right now. I feel it. God, I feel it. Woo! feel it up here today. I keep walking in and out of this angel. There's an angel standing right up here. I keep walking in and out of it, so I keep moving back over here. There's healing in this room right now. I'm not telling you if you give, you're going to be healed. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I'm saying right now that there are going to be some people because of what you sow today. It's going to activate something in the supernatural. And the wind is going to blow. How many of you could use a little bit of that today? Come on, how many of you could use the favor of the Lord in your life today? I'm uncomfortable right now because I don't like doing offerings, but we're going to pray. And as we pray and you start feeling led, if the Lord, if you already wrote your number down, ask the Lord if, he's sure, if you're sure that's what He wants you to do. But we're going to bring this faith promise before the Lord today. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, God, I pray that as these people obey your voice right now, that it will be a transition in the Spirit. And God, that as they obey your voice, they would begin to walk into a different dimension of faith right now. I'm asking God that everything that has been in the womb of this church would begin to be activated right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray that seeds of faith would be planted. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that as they bring that offering right now, that angels would begin to activate in this room. And that healing and miracles and signs and wonders would begin to unfold in this house. The altars are open today as you feel led to do so. The music's going to begin to play in just a moment. They're going to sing a song. But if you feel led right now to make this faith promise, it's going to activate something in the Holy Ghost. 
and the wind's going to begin to blow on it. Come on, we're not waiting on the wind. We're not waiting on the wind right now. The wind is waiting on us to move. The wind is waiting on us to move. Come on, church, I feel it. As you walk up here today, don't, don't walk up here down and out. I want you to walk up here holding that faith seed in your hand and say, God, I'm planting this seed to see a harvest in my lost children. I'm planting this seed right now to see harvest in my backslidden family. Come on, God's breaking something in here right now. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.